Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listeners, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor and I'm joined here with my fabulous co-host Tara Lee Weathers. Hello everyone out there. And on this episode, we are interviewing the incredible Jenna Leibowitz, who is a manager in the live music scene, and she is just an all-around amazing person. So she runs Gen Star Productions, and she manages bands such as ALO and Moon Alice. And she manages her husband Lebo's side projects. So she is a very busy woman. And not only is she just crazy good manager, but she's also a fabulous mama. And she, to me, exudes health and wellness and positivity and radiance. And so when I was thinking about a woman that I would like to have on the podcast, she was really the first one that came to my mind. So I'm so happy that we were able to have her on. And I really feel like she doesn't get like, I don't know if it's enough credit because I know that everybody who knows Jenna knows that she's amazing and would tell anybody else that. But I feel like a lot of people don't really know about Jenna because she is behind the scenes. And I've only seen a couple of interviews with her before. So I'm really excited for you guys, our listeners, to really find out what Jenna has to say about the link between health and wellness and live music. And yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed this conversation so much. She's such like a badass goddess woman. And and she just shared so much like little tidbits of inspiration. And I felt so inspired and motivated to go out there and do big things with my life or even to make like the mundane everyday things a little bit more magical. She just has this like way of looking at the world, not as like what's wrong with it and it's all bad, but like, okay, well, what can we do and what's good and focusing on that? And it it really had a big impact on me. So I'm really glad that you brought her into this podcast and introduced her to me. And I just like love her so much. And I know that all of you listening are going to love her too. Yeah, absolutely. She is so inspiring. So prepare to be inspired. Yes. So we wanted to share some reviews with you. And if you would like to review our podcast as well, um, you can do so on the Apple Podcast app. And it's really easy to leave some stars. And then if you have some extra time, you can leave us some words like this one. It says, when the lights go down, we all miss that feeling. Tara and Leah know this magical feeling well and have ideas and inspiration for anyone looking to stay in the flow during quarantine. Their energy is contagious and the guest lineup has me excited. I can't wait to hear what's next. Yeah. And then there's also this one, Learned So Much. Leah and Tara Lee made surprising correlations between wellness and music and what interesting interviews. Looking forward to the next podcast. I'm curious to hear more. And then this one is from D Baggy Weathers. (laughs) 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 He may or may not be my husband. Um, And it says game changer. The host is my wife and she talks to me all the time. But I was surprised that I learned so much from this podcast. The interviews are extremely well done, interesting, and entertaining. 
Thanks, D-Baggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you would like to be featured on one of our podcasts, we might read one of your reviews too. We love it if you would leave one. Yes, and we are so grateful for all of the people at the Osiris Network just for having us be able to do this podcast. They're so supportive of, of us, and I'm so grateful to be a part of that community. And so you can check out all the other podcasts that are on the Osiris Network at Osiris Pod. Then we will be right back with Miss Jenna Lebowitz. So welcome back. And now we have the lovely Miss Jenna Lebowitz here with us, who is the founder and creator of Genstar Productions and just a an amazing badass woman on the scene. And I am so grateful that we have you here to talk about health hugs and rock and roll and really the connection between live music and health and wellness. And I feel like you exemplify that so much. So that's why I was really, you were one of the first females that came to my mind, um, you know, as this is a female hosted podcast in kind of a male-dominated world, like how can we amplify our voices and kind of bring our voices to the table to talk about this experience? So welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here with you ladies. Thank you. (laughs) Yay. So yeah, let's see where to start. Well, I love hearing about kind of what got people interested in live music in the first place. And you know, what was your inspiration to go see live music for yourself, but then also to create a career around supporting artists in live music and really doing all of the hard work that you do behind the scenes? I've always been a music fan, like my whole life, you know, and and learned an instrument. Like it was kind of in my household growing up, like my sister and I had to take piano, you know, it was like, I think we were like five and we started up until I think probably like the marker was our bat mitzvahs. And, um, you know, so that was just, that was going to happen. And I enjoyed that. And I loved learning the instrument, but I really, I loved listening to other musicians more than playing it. And that just kind of having that opening of like, oh, well, I'm not as drawn to sit down and be playing the piano all the time, but I love listening to music. And as soon as I could start seeing live music, which was probably early in junior high that I started being able to go to my own, you know, concerts with friends. Um, I grew up in the Bay area and there we were very fortunate that there were a lot of all ages clubs and different festivals. And so having that experience and then leading into high school of just like every job I ever had was raising money to be able to go see live music and, you know, pay for the tickets and then pay for the shirts and the merchandise and then in high school, I've always wanted to be, I've always been an organizer and being involved with political environmental causes and arts and cultural experiences. And I started doing that in high school and music was always the common thread that was woven into it. So it was connecting with my friends who are musicians, looking to uh, you know, older musicians and who I could bring into the school. Um, and that then I continued to do that into college. And I don't know if I ever thought that it could be a career 
there wasn't, I went to school at UC Santa Barbara. There, at the time, there wasn't a music department for a like, music business. There's a music department there in ethnomusicology. So I didn't know about that, the kind of the world. Now there are many universities that have music business and music journalism departments, which is awesome. So I just knew of it as like, well, here's my extracurricular life in college that I want to continue seeing music, incorporating music into events from Earth Day concerts to weekly fundraisers to purchase acres of rainforest to preserve, um, and then continuing to go touring, following bands and seeing music. And then post-college, I was entertaining lots of different job ideas, and I went right into event planning, uh, but more on the corporate side. And it was great like introduction to finite production and details. And so that was like my nine to five or nine to seven. And then um, I would get off work and then I would go out to venues and see music. I was living in San Francisco and go until they shut the venues down at, you know, 2 a.m. and then get back up. And it was like kind of juggling all that. And I, at the same time, I started reconnecting with friends or you know, can maintain the connections from college, friends who are musicians. Um, and it's like, oh, you know, what are you going to do now? You need to find a gig. That's the first thing that musicians need. And so I started doing booking. And this was part of that was continuing with ALO. And at the time, the Animal Liberation Orchestra and the Free Range Horns was their college name. And so it kind of, I feel like it happened organically uh, that my, I feel so blessed that my, I was able to find different jobs that interested me in life and that then continuing to follow those paths that really like inspired me and that, the, that I was also surrounded by incredible people that inspired me. And so that then opened the door. I went from like the event planning, the corporate event planning to doing events at venues and an art collective in San Francisco. And meanwhile, continuing to work, pick up more artists to work with, doing booking and doing festival production and interning at High Sierra Music Festival, just, you know, calling people that I think, People that I met that inspired me, that I enjoyed their experiences or like followed them, you know, went to the, the early stages of the internet and found their website. And uh, do you need help? How, what, what do you, what do you need? Do you volunteer? Everyone needs a volunteer to do something, right? So can I flyer for you? Can I work at your festival getting water? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm an open person to trying a lot of different things. And I think that having that flexibility has opened me up to so many different experiences. And then plus and minus, it's it held me when I've then had moments of like, okay, how do I want to refine my vision? What do I really enjoy doing? Because I do love doing many things, but um, where's like the brightest spark, you know, I, I feel fortunate to have had a lot of experiences to pull from, from managing, booking, festival production, event production, and then travel and loving to travel. So I, I pinch myself a lot that I, I get to do what I do. And I say to people, it's like, what really fires you up? And, you know, trying to like dig into that and then, and, and, th and then seek out those other things that support that. Right. And, um, and follow that because I think that there's infinite possibility out there for people. But if you just have your, your eyes and your heart open to those experiences, then and, and being flexible I think flexibility too <laughs> because then you figure out what doesn't always work so great you know um, it sounds like you've always like the reason why you're so successful too is that you've cultivated relationships from the beginning of just like hey I one of my geniuses is being able to help your band so can I hand out flyers for you or can I 
drive you here? Or can I be your merchandise person or whatever it was? And so then when you were ready to like have it turn into something that can make money for you, all these people were like, yeah, I trust her. I love her. I recommend her. Is that like kind of Totally. And, and to having those friendships, I think as a manager, like the relationships, working with different people and also trying to find out what, where their spark is, like what, what fires them up? Where do they thrive? And as a manager, then you pull together your incredible team, right? That's the dream. Create your dream team and finding people that to build that. And I think that by putting yourself out there, meeting people, so many different experiences and then having conversations too about like what works or doesn't work. And, um, and then, uh, you know, we all grow up in these different industries too. If you stay in an industry for a long, long time, then you're going to be growing together, which I think is really cool to see and see people, uh, you know, develop into so many different roles within this world. Yeah. I've heard people say that it's like, it's all about who you know as a bad thing. But I think that's like the best way ever to be in business because why would you – like if you're going to be spending time, if you're managing a team of people and you're going to be spending most of your time with them, of course you want it to be people who you know and love and trust. So you would definitely have someone like that above somebody who you don't know at all. And then Ooh. you know how to like light them up and like what their magic is. And who you know, it's like – then they know you, right? So those are those relationships of like, you're not just going to call somebody up that you ran like, oh yeah, that person knows me. Well, but, and what, what are they going to say about their experience with you or their relationship with you, right? So cultivating that and, and fostering those relationships, I think is really powerful. And I, as a mom too, it was like when like Levo and I decided to have a child and looking at our lifestyle of touring and on the road. And for me, loving work loving my work loving travel loving all these incredible musicians and team members that i work with i was like okay how how does this play how does this fit how does a child fit uh, as you know one of my dreams how do i incorporate this and it was definitely like oh well i'm surrounded by like amazing people that like of course i can bring a child into this and we can travel and she can have aunties and uncles and do all these things and i have incredible team members that can do so many different jobs too and it was like kind of i feel like for me and you know ego gets involved in stuff too it's like yes of course i, I want to be the tour manager i want to be doing all this stuff but it's okay i all want to do this other thing and be a mom and be focused on how to step back and say, here, like you're, you've been on the team, you've been doing this, you can totally rock this, like you've got this. And I, I'm here if you have like questions, but like, you're the lead, you take the lead on this, you take the lead on that and um, empowering people to do that. And they're right there. They, if you build your incredible team, they're, they're right next to you already. Yeah, Leah, doesn't this sound like what Reed was talking about too, with how like he trusts his band members to like, that they've got him and so then he's free to take risks from there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I hadn't even made that connection. So yeah, thanks for bringing that in. That's absolutely right. And Jenna, you do such an amazing job of like creating this like really family feeling, you know, like, and as you mentioned, so you're married to Lebo and ALO and you've been managing ALO since like the early, early days. And I know now you have help. And so that's great because you get to be a mom too and do other things. But I'm curious, like how, 
you were able to have because ALO is such like a wholesome band, you know, and like there's just like you guys are amazing and you have so much fun, but like you're so healthy and positive and like how how were you able to bring that into life on the road, which can really, you know, like take people down and there can be a lot of other elements that can come in like what what's your secret behind that i'm sure people are dying to know well we have an incredible team on stage and off so i think that's part of it you know that um supporting wellness and and feel i do i mean i feel so fortunate like everybody that i work with and the magic that you see with you know like steve zach and dan who've been together you know since they were 12 and the purity of like I just, I call it kind of purity, like this love and magic and music that they create. I think also, and like live music does this, I think, right? Is like, it draws in like people. It's like the the, the flame, the, the glitter, the sparkle that's beckoning to people. And I feel like that's, uh, you know, in the in terms of like the ALO world, that's them. And and and, and all like the kind of the, the worlds that I feel like I get to dance in with this, you know, with Moon Alice is a band that had been around for a while before I started working with them and getting to jump into like their scene in their world. And they have got even a you know, longer history with all those different musicians and getting to see that those relationships. Um, and, and I think also like the like-minded of people wanting to be healthy and the, that, that, be, being within the nature. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have a drink or, um, you know, do things, but it's, that's, it. That, that balance. Nutrition has always been an interest of mine too. And I studied and I've been a vegetarian since I was 12, you know, so kind of that mindset of eating healthy and trying to find healthy options on the road. And, you know, it's a lot easier now, fortunately, but it wasn't as easy. So how to, to bring supplements and bring that food on the road. I, I like to be the mama, you know, I, I like that. I love that role. I love, and I say that my, the best um, training to be a parent was being a tour manager, you know, and, and I did like lack of sleep, like, get your nutrition and your concentrated doses have coffee and water available at all times if needed, um, tea. So I, I think it's finding out also what individuals need and, their, and and then helping support them. Like people need different amounts of rest. Some people need a lot of caffeine. Some people don't need any caffeine. What are the diets that support people's health on the road too? And then I feel like that as a the tour manager, any team member supporting a band is being able to help to, to find those things, to provide them or help the artists find those so that they can really be at their peak performance when they hit the stage. And then they can just like, you know, be, be there. So, um, and I think having kids has helped that too, because their, their voices are a lot louder than maybe an adult that's needing more sleep. You know, a kid's going to melting down, <laughs> um, you know, we all do melt down. You know, that's the thing maybe I realized after having my daughter is like, Oh yeah, this is like the same as adults. This is the same. They we're doing the same thing. We just like are a little better at stifling our needs or a little quieter, but we still are hungry. We're thirsty. We're tired. Our feelings get hurt. So how do you, um, yeah, just so, sometimes it's like trying to also like, okay, I'm, I'm going to name what it is we need right now. And, and the band, I mean, band does that with me too. I, I, I have my own meltdown still. <laughs> you know, everybody does. I don't like to think that I don't have that many, um, but, you know, just ha having the communication and kids help 
and Zach had a had a child, you know, his daughter's 20 years old. And, you know, so that was great for us to, to see that just really set this incredible tone for family and support. And you have like such that mama nurturing quality to you. So I can really see how that would spill over into like taking care of the people that are around you and making sure that they have what they need so that they can, you know, deliver the highest quality. And they absolutely do. I mean, I think everybody probably knows ALO is definitely one of my top bands. I love them so much. And uh, it's been awesome getting to to know you guys along the way too. Uh, well, and the fact that you're like, making sure that they have the right nutrition and the amount of sleep and that there's coffee and water and all of those things. Like I've definitely noticed, like you could tell the difference in a band that is like just raging and partying and drinking and doing all the drugs opposed to like one that is living a cleaner lifestyle. And I feel like musicians are channels of, you know, like it's just coming through them so they can bring it out to us. And because they're living such a clean life, their channel is so clear and so it's attracting like the audience and the people in the ALO community are like also like living on that high vibe because they want more of it. I like to think so. And yeah. I think all ages aspect too, you know, of like any group as you see the kind of the age group that they bring in, you know, it's like an ALO show, you're going to see infants to great grandparents. <laughs> That's true. And my grandparents are still rocking. They've got, <laughs> they their, got their mojo too. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone getting down. <laughs> That's so true. So there must be something that's being passed down. Something's in the water back there. <laughs> Well, Jenna, I, as you were talking about like following bands around, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, as in your younger days or like, who were the bands that you were following? And can you remember live music experience that really stands out to you that like felt really, I don't know if life changing might be too strong of a word, but just like really stood out to you that you can still remember? I grew up in, you know, the shows that I went to, the majority of like, say in high school in the 90s, there were a lot of venues in the Bay Area, San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, and you like kind of rock, ska, punk. Um, that's Those were kind of like my early introduction to like live shows, like small clubs, um, and then going to festivals like the Horde Festival, Palooza, Laguna Seca Days, and I think that's, and in terms of like live music improvisation, that was kind of, those were my first introductions to, to that. Like my, my parents, their musical background was more like folk and then R&B and soul and funk, which I love too. Um, but it was like, wow, this like live experience and the energy where just really seeing the musicians and the audience, just like the symbiosis, you know, it was like, Oh my gosh, I, I feel like I couldn't even sleep after a show, you know, you're just experiencing that. Um, and that probably happened really with some bands, like the first time, um, was probably with some small bands in the Bay Area that most people, I don't know if they've heard of like a band like any of Puzzlefish or the Limbo Maniacs. If you're from the Bay Area, those might be some, some names. Um, that you know, skankin' pickles, like ska bands. So those were kind of, and, and I think that those different genres then led into my love of what I do now, you know, and like kind of live improvisational jam scene. It's like, oh, well, I was already getting like the kind of doses of so many different genres and then getting to see these bands that 
bring it all they bring it all together. And I do love pop music too. You know, I primarily work in like you know more jam improvisational music now, but I I do love the whole spectrum. And there's also an incredible jazz club, uh, Yoshi's, that was has always just been an amazing place in the Bay Area. And my uncle took me there when I was in high school, and that was really impactful. I cannot remember who I saw um, there, but it was just like experiencing like the, the maybe the opposite of being in the mosh pit with puzzle fish was the like sitting down having sushi it was some like incredible heady jazz and like feeling the same tingles for you know but in a um, different musical format and and then when you're surrounded by people that are experiencing that same thing too it's just like you know, I feel like I want to like the motion is like my hands throbbing, you know, and when you're all feeling that and you can be doing that seated too, you know, energetically, but those um, being some of the, you know, the first experiences and then post-college was seeing a, a lot of fish shows and, and then the Bay Area, when I kind of landed back in the Bay Area, there was a big acid jazz scene going on. So I worked with a lot of acid jazz bands and jazz labels and worked with an incredible bass player, Marcus Shelby, who's still around, um, incredible composer and performer. And so I got to dig a little deeper into the jazz scene there. Kind of, I love all, all the genres. So I don't have like one singular, I remember like my best friend, she and I would, I think we were probably 14, you know, would have her pet our parents drop us off in the minivan down the street mm-hmm. <laughs> as we like go to the, the clubs to see the, the, the punk show. And then like, you know, okay, please do not get too close to picking us up. You mm-hmm. know, we're 14. We're obviously not driving. <laughs> yeah. We could take BART, but you know, we then it wasn't even really by a BART entrance. Well, that's so exciting. And that's so awesome that you had the opportunity with those all age shows. Yeah. I grew up on top of a mountain, so I wasn't going to see any live music when I was 14. I was just going to party in the woods. <laughs> so. yeah, I, I grew up right by New York City, so I was going I was going to the city, but you were having my parents drop us off where we would take the bus. <laughs> right? I know having access to that, and that is living near a city, it's, it's great. But I think even now, I mean, New York City's always kind of done an incredible job with their venues and music and supporting it, but I... I look to San Francisco and the Bay Area right now, like especially right now what's going on and the struggle of small venues. But yeah, that they aren't able to support those experiences for all ages. SF Jazz is one that does, you know, they do a lot of like family programming. But in addition to arts and music programs being cut into public schools, then also you have these venues that it's so expensive to be able to have all ages experiences and all ages shows with insurance and, you know, where, how do we provide that outlet and introduction to young children for live music? It's definitely, mm-hmm. I think that I talk about and think about a lot. Yeah. Well, and you guys always, like, you would have your Fillmore Kids show when you would do, when ALO would do the two nights at the Fillmore, there would be a kids show in the middle. And that was always so sweet. I mean, how many years did you guys do that? Oh, I think like five, five years. And we and we have ideas of, you know, doing more kids shows too. It's like that's been the kind of growing with your your fans and families, how to do that. And a kids show that is unique in the ALO sense. You know, we, I often say to people, you're not going to just, it, it's not going to be Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> if you're familiar with Yo Gabba Gabba. But you may get some elements of Yo Gabba Gabba. You may get some puppets, but then you're also, you know, going to, you're going to get things that are maybe set 
the kids are going to love the groove, but they might not always, they might not tear up at the lyrics <laughs> like their parents are at the same time. Yeah, I know. It was just such an amazing, like for me to be able to take Elliot, who I don't know, maybe he was like six or seven the first time that he got to go to the Fillmore and like to walk up those stairs and to be greeted by the welcome to the Fillmore. And then there's like the apples right there. And like just to be in this legendary venue at that age, you know, I just felt it felt so special. And then, of course, there were lots of balloons, <laughs> lots and lots <laughs> of balloons. Because you really, you want to set, like you said, you want to set the tone. And from the the host and hostesses at the door to then, like when kids see balloons strewn out on the on the floor, or any floor, dance floor or not, they're like, yeah. this is my place. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> Just like us when we yeah, get there. Like, right? I was like, I feel like if I see a floor of balloons, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> reminds me of like what jam cruise why it's so amazing it's like a playground for adults oh my gosh exactly so it's like toys and fun things to stimulate and tantalize all your senses oh my gosh and uh and water slides i told elliot that i <laughs> which we got to experience yes. together jenna this past year or this year yeah when i told elliot about the pools and the water slides he's like i want to go next year and i'm like you don't actually like paying attention to live music so <laughs> you just like everything else around so let's just find a cruise that you know isn't all about live music and i'll go to that and i'll take you to another one yes but well, we've talked about your past experiences of live music. Let's move into future forecasting or even the immediate future of live music, because as we all know, things have changed and and they're starting to kind of pop up again. I know for at least in my social media feed this past week, like I saw multiple kind of live music happenings happening and I was able to go to my first live music experience since March and and Jenna you were there so we can we got to share that together. So yeah, I know for myself I'm kind of curious like what is this going to look like and I got a little taste of it and maybe we can talk about what that looks and feels like and you know just especially your thoughts being in the industry and what is the future going to look like at least for the immediate. I think it's a, it's such a wild time on so many levels, right? And it, I keep talking about this with friends and family of that there's like universally we're having a shared experience, yet individually it's so unique, you know, this period of time and like how um how we process it, how we deal with it from our work to our families to our personal health to our, our friendships. It's 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 um yeah it's wild it's really and it's such a journey thinking about what the future is going to look like especially having been in an industry for a long time and loving what I do and travel and live music and knowing that it it's it has changed there's no like changing it has changed but that change that but everything is always changing right and this has been kind of like maybe a fast forward of change for many things for health for um, global health and and then how we connect with other humans so i think it's like finding the, where where is the safety in that and what is sustainable and i think that that's kind of being defined and redefined all the time, partially by 
the number of cases that are in an area are kind of dictating that, what, what people can do, how they can gather. Um, and so that's interesting to see and exciting and scary at the same time, right? Because seeing some people gathering and doing things that don't feel very sustainable. And then I think that some people are being con so concerned about doing anything or gathering because in, in reaction to that and fear. But I, I think that it's kind of like my initial thought has been like, it's that as a, as a person that tours nationally and internationally, it's like, well, immediately changing mindset of like regional, right? That like, that's feel like going back in time, tra time traveling of like the, you know, where's your, what's your local square or play, you know, musicians that are playing on their porch or opening up their garage to just, you know, and, and I think that virtual stage being that immediate thing, right? That like, that was the kind of the easiest thing for many people to do is to be able to live stream and incredible to have the resources um, and that where we're at with ability um, and fortunate for musicians who are kind of tech savvy to do that, but also musicians that, that aren't, that don't, that don't want to engage with that, who also aren't as comfortable with technology. So then having the ability to like, okay, just like play smaller events, smaller gatherings. And I, I see it as like kind of, there's many different aspects of it. There's like the there's a financial right that people need financially to support themselves and people being in different musicians being in different positions with that and then people's interest in playing live and in being around people and you know even if some people could stream every day or make a lot of money by streaming that might not that's not going to fulfill everybody because they're you know so many musicians and you know, they, they want that live experience, that live exchange. Not not all. There are some that really would rather just do studio work. So I think it's I think that people are gonna refine their their passions and their interest within that and then be seeking out more opportunities like doing small gatherings, like what we just you know, we were, you know, blessed to be able to experience last weekend is like a small gathering that's in that's within the allowed acceptable capacity for the area not space by county and the health department so what feels safe and then communicating with people to be safe in gathering and to to support health for everybody health for the musicians that you want to bring in health for the attendees and i've seen it possible you know everything from like small like a handful of people to like a larger large and i you know larger still like under 50 people gathering but with enough space that that the, the space is going to dictate how many people, the space and then also the county, that's going to dictate what you can do. But I think that there's possibilities of doing that. And I um, I think that that, from the musicians I've talked to and also my own, with my own partner with Lebo, it's like he's just like so fired up after being able to do those gatherings. It's just like, oh, my gosh, to like be able to see people, even if he can't see the smile mm -hmm. behind a mask, yeah. seeing the eyes and these, you know, clapping or seeing the moving bodies and how fulfilling that is. So I think it's finding the, those different opportunities and people opening up their homes, like their backyards or their driveways or um, their streets. And I think that that has this other is like the flip side of where we're all we all may have these tendencies that feel separate right now and separated but then you can also have these experiences of really feeling together with your neighbors or somebody really close um by that maybe you don't don't you haven't gotten to to see as often and craft those experiences together but i think then 
where it's going to keep the, the industry is going to keep changing because there are going to be larger events that are going to happen. And we have incredible organizations that are one that are fighting for reopening of venues, uh, you know, working with talent managers and agents. We have from like Neva to Nido. We also have, you know, safety alliances that are, are I mean, they're working around the clock right now to figure out how we can support our music industry and do it safely and reopen. And, um, and just like I say to everybody, it's like, please like go support those organizations, dig into those organizations because that's going to be the lifeline. Like we can't all do the work of lobbying in con Congress, you know, right. But we can all do the work donating money if you have those resources to support them or making calls or taking their lead when they're saying to reach out to our representatives and calling or emailing. And that's what's going to open up the, the ability for larger gatherings and for touring to, to reopen. And I think the touring is, it already is kind of reopening a little bit, but I think, but it's on a smaller scale and it's going to be those smaller experiences that I think right now the easiest thing is the being outdoors because that's the safest, but then how are people going to be being able to open up doors and, and some states are doing it in various levels of success in terms of like health, but how, how does that look? I think it really, there's going to be, it's going to be individual, but my hope is that just with people partnering and communicating and, you know, back to Neva and Nito, ha having those um, organizations so that you can pull together like your resources of what's working, what's not. Um, so is that, you know, yeah, that's I, I a can great synopsis. Endlessly, you know, <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm just like, what do I think? And and talking to people and experts. And um, my father-in-law is a doctor and uh, at Stanford, and you know, kind of like he's got his lifeline of information from them and their doctors and in the field, and just kind of trying to be wise about. It. And then also having a child, you get like tons of information from schools, and that all then comes back into support, like the musicians and tools and what's safe because that's really what you know that that's what the artists are looking to their management for right is like what the, the information like what is safe what can i do and then for the, the managers also provide the different opportunities for them um that are outside of the box and you know i kind of have said to a lot of the artists i work with it's like now is a good time to dream big as well it's always a good time to dream big but right now, you know, we have a little more time in one place and like there are, there is a lot of unknown. So why not like try to dream up some crazy big ideas about what we want to do or what we can do and um, how to manifest that. I think that this is, you, to, to use that, uh, that time, find some silver linings that you can dig into, you know, a little deeper. Um, but also the reality of like the people need money and need to be able to support shelter and food and families if they have them they're responsible for too so it's like fighting for those the access to that yeah well and like as we all we talk about this in the podcast a lot that live music is this like powerful medicine that we all need in order to thrive so it is so important to fight for the music venues and fight for the musicians to be able to still be able to do it because it's like it's so like holistically important in the whole scheme of things and also the like how people are getting really creative but I have a question about so I've gone to a bunch of like drive-in shows and Stowe Cider and Nectars in Vermont have been having shows but you have to like be at a table with your pod 
And then when you're at the drive-in, you're like around your car with your pod. So I'm wondering like how you feel about maintaining that like connection that we all feel at a show because you're like dancing around and you like dance with somebody and then you like go to the bathroom and you see and you have a conversation where that stuff doesn't really happen anymore right now. But how do you think people are still getting that connection? Because you said like Lebo after he was like, oh, I'm so excited and I felt it. And like you were talking earlier about how you felt that juice. So um, how do you think that's happening? Yeah, I think it's changing too. I think that there's, and and I think that different environments are going to Maybe we'll see that. Maybe that will become more of the norm than anything. Is that you're going to to a concert, but you are going to have a really different experience. And seeing the band at this venue versus that venue is going to be really different. That like where you have space. Um, You know, where Lee and I went last weekend, it was like outdoors, 200 acres, surrounded by trees, so much space where you could be like dancing, gliding by people in the mass and feeling so, you know, feeling very safe. And you're not going to have that in every experience, right? You're not going to have that amount of space. So I think it's going to be like, this is an added pressure and can be inducing of like, wow, I don't, I'm not going to know until I get there. You know, these certain parts of like, they've done these things, there's like safety protocol, or like from temperature checking to, you know, maybe it's, you know, in some cases, even doing like testing in advance before you're going to an event. Um, so, and then once you get there, you're like, okay, this is what feels comfortable. This is what this this is what they have in place. And then some places, I like to think that this is going to be far and few between. But if some place doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't feel safe, then that's going to also be for the, the artists and for the attendees to to say, you know, this doesn't feel like a great experience for us right now. We're going to you know do that. But I think I think that. I, for me personally, it's like even getting like a little dose of live music in a more reserved experience feels so good because we're getting so so much less than we're that I'm used to. You know, um, I think that people are going to be flexible on that. I like to think, and 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 if people aren't flexible, just having compassion around people's anxiety and health mentally and physically during this time. That it's like, okay, that person, this thing is not working out well for this person. We don't really know what's going on. Let's let's figure out what it is. It might be too much for somebody to come out to for a live experience right now. That you know that they might not be able to get into that that space. So I think of like us just like looking out for each other mm-hmm. as a planet. Yeah. Also on the dance floor and at the venues, which pretty good. You know, I feel like our scene is really good at doing that. Um, but really kind of doing doing the extra outreach of what people need and what feels comfortable and you know yeah and and like you said really checking in with ourselves and making sure that you know wherever we are that we're comfortable with that and and that we're doing our own work to to work through any you know fear anxiety I mean we've all kind of had this I've been working with this even with my patients it's like as the world kind of starts to reopen a little bit like of course there's going to be that fear and that anxiety of stepping out because we've we've had this mentality that that's not safe and and you know it's not something that we can even see so we don't know like we can't detect it um while it's around us and so yeah I think like working with expectations and knowing that it's going to be different, even though, you know, we'll still be experiencing live music, it's still going to be different. And I would say for me, the hardest part for me was having to wear a mask. And 
I don't have a problem at all wearing a mask around strangers. Like, you know, I'll go for a walk out on our trailer, of course, in the grocery store or wherever I am. And like, that doesn't bother me at all. But when I'm around people that feel like family to me, like I want to see their faces. And it was, that was the hardest part for me. But then I just have to remind myself that like, I care about these people so much. So that's why I'm doing this. And, you know, hopefully it's not going to be forever, but this is what we have to do right now. And if this is what I have to do to see some live music, then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be aware of those feelings that like that part of me that says, but I just want to feel close to my family again, you know, and I just I feel like that kind of takes away a little bit from that connection. Like you were talking about, Tara Lee, like, I don't know why I just I like to be able to see people's faces. And I like to be able to I mean, don't get me wrong. I love having my own dance space. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but I like the social distance dancing for the most yeah. part. Actually, I love that too. <laughs> but, but I also, you know, I want to be able to come in close, like if I, if I have the urge to, you know, and so it's like noticing that impulse and working through that. And like, so yeah, it's, it's all kind of like a dance of, of how we ease back in and doing it safely. And if, you know, finding ways that we can do it safely and yeah. And working with it all that's coming up. And being a hugger, you know, that's like, totally. I, I hear you're saying it's like my body, just like if I'm seeing other people, anybody, I'm just like going in. It's Mm -hmm. my, my nature. Um, some people probably are like, okay, back off before this, (laughs) you know, but it's like, okay, that's, Yes, rethinking that or how to like not just like touch somebody's shoulder or hands. And that's that is going to be a really, it is a hard thing mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to be a hard thing. It is for me, you know. I, I know on the flip side, there are people that don't want to be touched as much and they're like, this works out really well for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found I really there's a lot more. Con- so there's like a lot more consent. Like people are like, are, are you okay hugging? Yes. Um, and, and that should, probably stay forever because not everyone is okay with hugging or wants to be hugged i think that's a, i i think you hit on the head like consent you know in in general people need to have more consent and i think that this is opening up more conversations about okay what do you i mean i just know even friends that i'm getting together with maybe if, you know we have a kid we're trying kids and they want to do a play date in the park what are you comfortable with what are you you know are we going to where, what, what place in the park are you comfortable with? What are you, you know, are you okay sharing food that's in packages, prepackaged, or do you not, you know, like it's having those questions. And I do think that we have a lot of these questions because we ha- haven't had leadership, not to go down that rabbit hole, but of like, we don't have guidance that is like science. We don't have national guidance with science, scientific facts, science supported, that's helping us make all these decisions together, right? So we're really like the individual is having to do so much work to find out what is, what's real information and what feels safe. And, and that goes for like the venues in the States too, because that's another thing, you know, and thinking about how like touring is going to open up. States are very different right now on what is open and what they can do and, and leadership around that. So I think that you may see certain artists that aren't going to be touring in certain places. 
depending on what's going on with um, you know health and safety. And there, and it already is actually. I, I know that. And other people that are going to feel comfortable to to try many different experiences. But I think that that's something that's a big change too. And ideally, we would have more uniform leadership and um, guidance around that that would help everybody. Yeah, yeah. That actually reminds me that you guys, ALO, had to cancel like your Northwest stent that was going to happen. Like actually, I think the week the week and after everything got shut down and then you guys had a tour in December that you rescheduled for this year and then that was just recently canceled. So I know there are a lot of ALO fans out there in the greater country uh, that are super sad that they're not able to to see their ALO right now. No, it's, it's like having how to make those decisions. And I, yeah, I, I think it will get easier. I think um, even, I love to think that we're going to have vaccines and we're going to see smaller cases. Of course, that's my wish in the world. But if we don't, it's, we're, we're going to keep, we're going to move forward with different things, you know, and what that, what that is, is I think constantly being defined, but that, um, yeah, we're going to, music wants to travel too. People want to be in different areas. Yeah. Well, what, what is one thing that people could do right now? I know you mentioned a few organizations that would be good to follow, but as fans who, you know, really want live music to come back whenever, you know, as it or is need, right now. and Or need live music to come back. Yes, need live music to come back. Absolutely. What what can they be doing right now? Do you have any advice for them? I think supporting those organizations like Nito and Neva being a huge part of it because there really are these driving forces to help the artists and their teams um, and, and, and the venues because we need to have it all. And and they're being a voice because, as you know, it's like there's there's already been some relief. There's another relief package is coming up, but we need to have a voice in in government um, and speaking to the leaders, and then individually for people to you know to kind of take the lead and be calling their different representatives. I think that's one thing. And then secondly, to support, find out you know the musicians that you love, find out what they're doing, be it a live stream on Facebook or doing a curbside concert, um, find out and, and, and send in to the, to artists and their management, different ideas. If you have them, I think that's another thing is like, let the managers know what you're, you would love to see what you'd love to, what you'd be like, I, I have a space I could offer up, or I would love to, you know, host a, a private concert because a lot of artists are, are open to doing that. But, um, it's, you know, they don't always, in the same way that we have these our booking agents that have all the relationships with the promoters and the venues, we don't always have that relationship with the individual fans and knowing who would want to do that um, at their home or having a space that they know of so and, and that could provide a, a safe an, a environment for everybody. Um, one thing that, I, that like stood out to me is that it's, we have like as fans this really, and, and as the musicians too, such a unique opportunity to have these intimate experiences that you would never have. Like how often, like except if you're like getting married or having like a big anniversary party or something like that, can you have a musician come to your house and play? Like that's not a common thing. And now it's something that's possible. And that's pretty cool. I agree. And to have like the even conversations with them, you know, we've been doing different things where, um, you know, a concert and then like a Zoom with, with an artist and a small group of fans. And um, 
And so having those, you know, sometimes, yes, you have meet and greets and do that at venues, but I think that there might be even a little more kind of intimate connection that's able to happen when it's not as loud or as as late and people to have those experiences or le or lessons with some like musicians that they love that some musicians are now have their time to, to do that. And people would love to know, like, how do you get that tone or what does that affect or talk to them about who inspires them? I think that fans love to dig deeper with it, all of that. So maybe I kind of think of that as another silver lining this period of time. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a lot of connections still to be had. And as you were talking, Jenna, it reminded me of like, what you're talking about with your kind of early start, how you were just like researching and reaching out to people. And, you know, it reminded me that as fans and we're, we can actually find ways to reach out to people now, you know, through social media and the internet and online. Like if, if you want something to happen, then see if you can make it happen. It's like dream big and, and see, you know, you may as well ask and, and get it going. So I think that's a great, definitely hopeful message to send. Like, instead of thinking about all of the things that we're missing and we're lacking, like, how can we look towards opportunities that we can create that we might have never thought possible before? Yeah. And don't wait for it to come to you. Like, if it doesn't exist, like, well, how can I have that then? Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's actually kind of fun and exciting to, to think about and figure out. And Jenna, that's also why you've had so much success in your career, too, because you're not like, OK, this pandemic happened and music is over forever. You're like, no, <laughs> like, OK, this happens. It's always changing. And let's get creative and figure it out. And let's rock it. Not I, that it's always easy. I know that no, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And I, I think, too, I feel like being um uh, you know, working in like the improvisational music, musical world and being a fan of that, I think has helped make me a more flexible person and uh, and adapting. Like, I, I and maybe I'm a seeker of that, right? As, uh, to all of us, like the change or where's the music going to go? Where's the, where's the jam going to lead? Open to that unknown. I know that that's not as comfortable for everybody. So I feel blessed. And I think that maybe you ladies would agree that like that's already something that kind of fills our heart is like the magic of the unknown and how to channel that into this period of time where we're getting served more unknown than we would have desired. But, you know, how to find um, the sparkles within it. I wear a sparkly mask. <laughs> yeah, I had a sparkly mask too that a friend of mine made. <laughs> it was very sparkly and crafty. Yeah. All right, Jenna. Well, anything else that feels important to say before we send you off? This. Keep doing this, ladies. We, we need more light. We need more love. We need more beautiful experiences, you know, for all of, all, all of our senses. That's what we, we need to put out into the world. So thanks. You're doing it. I appreciate being on here. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you. you. Thank you so much for being here and we'll be right back well that was fun it sure was i'm so glad that we were able to have that conversation with jenna and get some inspiration and really start to begin to dream about what we want to create in our lives like i love how she was talking about that and how she was able to exemplify that 
how she's done that in her own life and, you know, give some inspiration for musicians out there right now. And also as fans, like how we can begin to create these intimate live music experiences that we may not have even thought could be possible before. Yeah. And something I like I thought about when she was talking is um, there's this musician named John Craigie and he has this song. It's called like like the presidential silver lining. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how when times are good, we kind of have like crappy music (laughs) because there's like not much struggle and things going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So when times are bad, that's when the best music comes out. So when times are good, it's like Nickelback is like the number one band mm-hmm. in the country. And then when times are bad, we actually have like really amazing, great music. So that just it just made me think of that. And then how during these times, it's like there are silver linings and you just have to be creative and innovative and, and think differently. And how can you still have, have live music and good live music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something really funny. (laughs) I'm like totally laughing while you're saying that because I know John Craigie and I actually know John Craigie through ALO. He opened for one of their Tour de Amours. And it was so funny because (laughs) he's such a great singer songwriter. um, And he really does like this whole stand up bit, you know, for his act. And so (laughs) a lot of us ALO fans, we travel to multiple shows and John Craigie's like, my audience isn't like this. You know, I stand up and I tell the same stories night after night. He's like, you crazy jam band fans, (laughs) like I have to do something different for you guys. So it was really funny. We we got John Craigie coming up with some new stories. Yeah, that's amazing. Maybe he'll want to come be on our podcast. If you're listening out there, John Craigie, (laughs) we want to talk to you about all of that. Yeah. But yeah, Jenna is just like, I really like how she kind of had a reframe of like, this isn't the worst thing that's like, ever happening. I mean, it's it's really terrible and horrible. But also like, how can something good come of it? And what would that look like? And how can you be a part of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I think that's you know, she just exemplifies, like I said, that positivity and that radiance. And it's just another example of how she uses these health and wellness tips, you know, like that's how she lives her life. And you can tell what a difference that it makes. And I loved how when I was asking, like, you know, what do you do on the road? How do you balance it out? Like she was really talking about our basic needs, like making sure everybody gets enough sleep and making sure that they have healthy food and however much caffeine they need or they don't need, you know, like it's really getting down to basics, but it's just about taking care of ourselves and our basic needs and making sure that those get met so that like you said, they can become vessels, you know, and that vessel can be even more clear to be able to receive. Yeah. And we see that. I mean, I think it's very clear on a musician that is taking care of their body as opposed to a musician who isn't because you are such a clear vessel for that music to move through you. And when there aren't substances or processed food or like whatever it is in you to get in the way, I feel like there is such a big difference. And so for the listeners out there, if you're not a musician yourself, like the cleaner that your body is as well, the more that you'll be able to like channel the ideas that can come through you on maybe how you can support live music in the best way possible and be innovative and creative in these times instead of being in a place of despair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Well, I wanted to share something for the... Did you know? And this relates back to kind of what Jenna was talking about. She's such a hard worker and really, you know, doing it from like the vision of what she wants and okay, how do I do the work to make sure that I get there? And it kind of made me think about what's happening in our bodies, not only in that experience, but also in the experience of live music. And so I wanted to highlight one of the neurotransmitters, or as we might call them, happy hormones, dopamine, which is uh, considered the motivational molecule. So it is a hormone that helps to make us happy, but it's really related to our motivation and reward system. And it's involved in decision-making and impulse control, memory and attention. But it's what gives us those pleasurable sensations and keeps us coming back for more. So I know you guys can all relate to those pleasurable sensations that we experience during live music and how happy that makes us. And that really comes from the release of dopamine uh, into our brains that translates down into our bodies. And it also uh, helps to boost mood. It keeps us motivated. It keeps us uh, kind of focused and on attention. And it also helps to regulate movement, learning, and emotional responses. Yes, that is so interesting. And so now for my section, which is... Daily. Jam. I'm going to share a way where you can get a dopamine rush and ignite those the pleasure in your brain um, so you can be motivated to have even more of that in a healthy and beautiful and wonderful way. And that is to, I want you to think of one goal that you know for sure that you could accomplish this week. So it doesn't have to be something huge. It could be something really simple. Actually, I really want to make my own dry shampoo. And it's out of arrowroot and cocoa powder and charcoal because I have dark hair. Um, and I've always wanted to do it and I've talked about it. So I'm going to like this week, that's my goal. I'm going to do it. And then when I accomplish it, I'm going to release all of those dopamine magic things happening in my brain. And it's going to feel really good and I'm going to be motivated. And then I'm going to think about what's another goal that's maybe a little bigger that now I know that I can accomplish that one. And then I can keep going bigger and bigger and bigger. So... Your daily jam is to come up with one simple goal that you know you can achieve this week and do it. And then come to the Facebook group, the Groove Therapy Podcast Community on Facebook and share with us what your goal was. You can share it right now. Go there right away and share what your goal is and then come back and let's celebrate when you achieved it. Fabulous. I can't wait to see all of these goals that are being accomplished and dopamine being released in people's brains because we all need that natural way to feel more happy and to regulate our moods. Yeah. And we don't have a contest, but if you want bonus points, you could also go on Instagram and make a story talking about your goal and what you're going to do. And be sure to tag us, Groove Therapy Podcast, and we'll, we'll love to watch it and repost your story and celebrate with you of how you're going to have so much dopamine going on in your head. <laughs> yeah. And I, even just by us watching you accomplish your goal, that actually helps to release dopamine in our brain too. So it'll be like a giving and receiving over and over and over and over again. Yes. Wonderful. 
Well, we are part of the Osiris Podcast Network, and we're so grateful for each and every one of you for listening and supporting and connecting with us. We just love you so much, and we're so grateful and hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. Bye, everybody. 